Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Today is November 9th, and we are recording episode number 446. Um, and we have Abhishek back for his fourth time. Uh, Tawari, back to for the fourth time to today, he's going to talk about um, networking edge and layer seven security. So a slight pivot to some of the stuff we talked about in the past, but I'm sure as always, he's going to be a, a great guest. Um, before we get to Abhishek, uh, Kendall, Sujit, um, what do we have for news this week? Sujit, kick us off. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a few that I haven't put in the show notes yet, but they were all come out of the category of static web apps. Uh, they released a, a spate of updates uh, this week. One of them is they I now... Yeah, uh, there are things like this have support for GitLab and Big, Bitbucket. Uh, they've uh, <clears throat> got support for stable URLs in the preview environments. Uh, you can now uh, skip API builds. Uh, you know, as part of if you only want to update the web app and not the APIs, you could skip that. And it also supports uh, Node.js 18. So uh, a lot of updates in the static web app space. Nice. Kendall? Yeah, I was actually going to touch on that a little bit, too. Um, I know this is not one of the updates that just got announced, but you can actually, from a container app side, you can actually have container apps be the back end for your static web app. Um, that's something that's just worth calling out because I don't think that's been there for too long. So instead of using something like an Azure function, you can do like a bring your own container app. So that's just something I, I played around with recently. Um, I also saw that there's a GA for cost recommendations for VMSS or virtual machines. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's nice just because cost optimization is something that I feel like Azure has, um, you know, notoriously gotten more requests for, right? How do I see the use case, like the usage of my different resources? How can I cost optimize? That's obviously top of mind for a lot of customers. So the fact that now Azure Advisor will essentially say, hey, like we see that this VMSS is basically like not even being used at all or um, is potentially underutilized. So I think anything we're doing to help customers get better utilization of the hardware they're paying for within Azure, I think is, is a great step in the right direction. So. Yeah, I think that that one I thought was really good because um, I know there's been a bunch of efforts. Abhishek, you've probably been directly involved in some of this because you run some services. But, you know, we periodically do this kind of scrubbing in our internal environment as well. And let's just say we're not always as efficient with our uh, resources that we're consuming as we can be. And and that costs money, but it also consumes resources that we could be turning around and, and providing to our customers. So, you know, that striking that balance is always important, right? So having the capabilities to to do that. Um, that, that is true. And then there are always like, you know, the, the demand for Azure, though it's like, you know, Azure is, is like, you know, consider people like our customer consider as an infinite pool of resources. <laughs> but but at the end, like, you know, with the so much growth, it's it's yeah. always gets constrained on one or the other resources. So it's it's a good idea, not only to like, you know, it's a win win for the customer and win and for Azure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. At the end of the day, there, although we're not going to quote the number here, there is a specific number of servers <laughs> that live in underneath Azure. Um, so, uh, yeah, the couple ones that I wanted to call out, um, I, I, the one of them, um, and I, 
I, I hadn't even thought about this as being important until I saw this, but Azure Automation now supports availability zones uh, for your running. Because again, people rely on these automation tasks to run to keep their business up and running. If we have a, a problem that takes on our zone, those things need to keep running. Um, you know, also um, the Azure Multi-Factor Authentication, so MFA Server. So this is the on-premises version. This is not the Azure Active Directory version. Um, this uh, is, it's been sort of in the works for a little while. We've been removing, you know, bringing feature parity to Azure Active Directory uh, MFA, but uh, we've actually announced publicly that in September of 2024, the on-premises version will be deprecated. Um, that's a pretty big step if you think about it, right? That we're completely removing the on-premises, or even our exchange and SQL, right? There's still an on-premises version. It really sort of indicates how far AAD has come. Um, and then the last one I wanted to mention, um, and again, this was not planned. This is right up Abhishek's alley, but the um, uh, default rule set 2.1 for Azure Web Application Firewall um, went GA not too long ago. Um, and this is huge because I, and again, you can talk about it in depth if you want, but basically my understanding is we've completely rebuilt the engine for this. And this yep. brings a ton of extra performance while also bringing in, you know, the new rule set at the same time. So it's, again, it's a great benefit for customers. You should definitely look at adopting this. Absolutely. This is this is we released on Edge, and then uh, there is another announcement which I love it as uh, we released the uh, the self migration tool from the classic AFD and CDN SQ to the AFDX SQ with zero downtime. So if you are a customer that are using the classic AFD or Microsoft CDN SQ, and then you want to migrate your application that are onboarded on those SQs to the new AFDX Premium or Standard, uh, it's a general available uh, migration tool with zero downtime for your application. Yeah, that's great. Now, now, is that when you talk classic in this case, is that the traditional, you know, when we talk about classic, classic web, um, classic, uh, classic services and whatnot? Yeah, at the classic Azure front door, we before we merged, we had like separate like a SKU for the gotcha. acceleration okay. and separate for the content caching. And then we release AFDX with bunch of new features like private link enabled and, and then many of the security and other functionalities. But customers were concerned how to migrate from, yep. from this to the new one. So now it's okay. available. Awesome. Awesome. Zero downtime is good, right? Yes. Uh, um, yeah. Um, so, okay. So, so with that, um, you know, let's transition over to Abhishek. So Abhishek, you've been on the show before, um, talked about a bunch of different networking things. Um, we were chatting on the side and, and you offered to come back to talk about, um, you know, uh, edge security and layer seven security. Um, what do you, what do you mean by that? Let's, let's sort of maybe define those to start just because not everybody talks network layers. So let, let's define that stuff to start. What do we mean by edge and, and layer seven? Yeah, um, I, and I'll, I'll start taking like a step back. And this is my own own experience and learning in Azure Front Door, um, uh, which is like, you know, a, a global service we talked about in previous episode runs on the edge mm -hmm. distributed across uh, multiple pops, more than 200 uh, edge sites across the world. Um, and and th there are two things uh, in, when it comes to the security part of it. Uh, a, um, some of the vulnerability that you have in your software, software, hardware, firmware combination that gets exploited, that that's more like, you know, a sort of security attack or exploit. Um, mm -hmm. The other one is like, you know, a uh, little bit brutal, which is like, you know, denial of service. So then like, you know, yes, we don't know your vulnerability, but we will like, you know, 
try to take you offline either by brute force or like you know it's just flooding you with packets or, or, or yeah so yeah. so this is the precise point when like you know when we talk about denial of service it it like in, in the first thing it comes mind like flooding with packets and then flooding with your network and then like you know and usually network has much more capacity than your the servers application servers and then backends and then if it's not stopped at the right point most likely going to take down your application servers backend servers and that 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 kind of attack at the packet level which is we call it l3 l4 network ddos attack um, and uh, Microsoft uh, provides the one DDoS solution uh, for it. You can onboard, and then it would protect uh, from the, the, the these volumetric uh, network level attack. The challenge with the edge, and then the edge security becomes a, a bit challenging in 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 some of those scenarios. And I'll talk about two categories. First, on the the network level attack. What happens with the edge? Edge when customers onboard to edge edge promises on certain functionality to them. A, it promises the acceleration. B, it promises the cost reduction by not taking your traffic uh, to the data center or other location mm -hmm. because of the cached content and it's being served very cheaply. Reducing so basically a, your compute and whatnot resource not consumption so, at that point. And then third is uh, the, the providing you the security, not having some malicious attack and exploits coming to the end. So those are the three. The challenge with the, the volumetric attack, typical volumetric attack uh, uh, network level is if you take, if A, you detect the attack and then if you take the traffic somewhere else to a scrub and then like you know you do a good job scrub all the, the the malicious the attack traffic and then send it back you have already caused a challenge to edge and it it works beautifully for azure because you are in the same data center the traffic was supposed to go to the data center for your workload applications and then right there you get a scrub and then when it's released it's there you know very close to 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 the where you are running your applications but in our scenario if you take this traffic from the edge side to even a nearest data center location you have taken a, some penalty on the latency and when you release that traffic then you have caused the traffic concentration problem because these were the distributed user traffic that's supposed to go on the nearby three four five edge sites and now you have like you know funnel that entire traffic to a close by data center and when it leaves it's just going to find a very nearby site and good chance very likelihood it just going to find one site that's like you know the, the the best in terms of latency and performance so you'll like cost the traffic concentration problem you'll cost the latency problem and you cost the like you know the violates your principle of cogs as well because the sites that were supposed to be caching your content now you send it to the data center data center chooses some other sites which is not cached oh, content you go somewhere else you don't think <laughs> yeah. else right there. so yeah. it 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 poses just like you know a different set of challenges and and this is the learning on the the network level ddos attack like you know when when you run on edge you have to be in last episode edge like you know the line i use like you know the data center is like you know big big swimming pool like you know people jump in they spill some drops it's okay edge is a small cup you spill something everyone would notice like you know it's it's a very expensive uh, probably single malt scotch like few drops and then like you notice <laughs> oh my god 
um, so that's on the the volumetric side of it. But um, and then we have like we have uh, been working with our one D DOS team to to have a homegrown solution that runs in line. You don't have to take that funnel traffic to some other hardware or like another devices that would do its. It's our own grown solution, DPDK, all sorts of the, the 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 acceleration available today, and that would do this scrubbing in line at the edge site itself, not even causing you more than one millisecond latency and not taking your traffic anywhere else. So that's the first thing we have to do, and it, it's a deep stack and investment that we have been working it for past one and a half years and this is the time when like you know it's being like you know in the production then the second learning is uh in two years back um if you could ask like if you ask like you know uh, where i'm losing my sleep i would say these volumetric attack and that's what it is and i have to do this in line the 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 in like home built inbuilt solution to to put in and once i'm there i can sleep peacefully but turn out that's not the case uh, these attacks are getting more and more sophisticated more denial of yeah, service smarter. yes and yeah. and the smarter and they are progressing on to being volumetric on the l3 l4 side being volumetric onto the application layer side so they are still volumetric or like you know or, or volumetric i say is like you know they are not exploiting a particular vulnerability but they just want to keep it minimum enough to cause you damage that's that's uh, so it not necessarily the one scenario i've seen is where uh, you know i saw one at one time where somebody used um they set a whole bunch of ssl traffic and it and the site that they were sending it to that this wasn't even you know in, in yep. the cloud but the the site that they were on had you know it just had a hard time processing and managing yep, all yep, these SSL yep. connections. Yep, right? that, yep. Is that sort of what you're talking about? That that's one of the very basic L7 attack you could have. So what mm -hmm. they do is like you know they like you know do a volumetric L3 L4 attack. They see what's the threshold limit where like you know DDoS solution would start mm -hmm. like you know rejecting you. So they oh, they they, they go lower. They, yeah. So oh. they they know oh, okay you're you're probably you allow. 5,000 flows or yep. 10,000 flows, right? On the network layer, but that's not the application capacity yep. is, right? And then boom, then they have these 10,000. They just under that. They're just under this. So they'll like, you know, bypass all the things and then attack like, you know, on the volume. And then challenge with like, you know, if you see uh, on the SSL uh, application protection, you have to terminate these connections and then you can do whatever you want to do, whether you want to rate limit drop or throttle, right? But it's very expensive to do it after termination because that's where you go like you know from the lowest kernel mode mm -hmm. to the user mode side of it spend like you know much of your cpu cycles there so even though you do a good job at that layer it, you have like you know cost damage to yourself you might be able to somehow survive but that 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 single thing doesn't work so and uh, what you see is like you know the l7 protection unlike the volumetric network protection it's a multiple layers of protection you have to put in and it's like a swiss cheese model mm -hmm. like even on the l7 you have few come in then then like you then the next layer would like you know the rest and then rest and then rest that's how it works and again it's a homegrown solution in azure front door we have uh, three different layers uh like you know that that protect us from the the l7 attacks um even you do, have your it, hands it, yeah so do as as a so i i spin up azure not the uh the azure podcast site so we have mm -hmm. our site 
right? We want to protect against this kind of stuff. Do I, do, you know, we're, we're not using AFD today, um, right. but let's say we turn on AFD. Do I need to turn on additional features to get the layer 7 DDoS that you're talking about? Does this sort of come with just enabling AFD? Like, what? how does it look like for me as a customer to take advantage of this? So there are two parts of it. When the, the L7 DDoS attack happens, it's like, you know, the, by the nature of AFD, the attack would come to the platform first, right? Before we... Yep because we are the one terminating it and then the good piece is we are keeping this persistent connection to the to your applications in this case to your podcast server um, so a attack would come first on the platform but afd platform is large right so it can like you know say your server could handle like you know maybe thousand requests we can like absorb million and we might not even react with a million flood but if i forward that million to you you would get impacted yeah. the re- reason i'm saying is so it's two so these three or four layers that I talk about this is for the platform where like I'll ensure that I will not like you know have this platform get impacted with this once I have protected the platform with enough capacity then I can protect the customers behind it so in this Mm -hmm. case when you onboard to the Azure front door you can use the one that you talked about the web application firewall and you can set hey my backend has this capacity these many requests globally I want to take on this location region I want to take this like you know Mm-hmm. All threshold that you would define in typical network level DDoS, you can define it here onto the application side. And uh, what Azure Front Door would ensure that, like, you know, it's edge, it's anything that is crossing the threshold is right there at the edge. You just not see this, neither on your network layer nor your application layer anywhere. You Those server will not see any of those aspects. But, uh, but you have to turn on a specific WAF rules to, okay, to make so I didn't sure need to turn it to, on to get the advantage to turn it on okay. to to advantage because we will not know what's the, your server actual capacity is when you configure right so you better know it you could be conservative uh, we suggest people to have like you know whatever the peak they they expect uh, mm-hmm. and then have like you know um, the, you know bit above threshold from the peak and then and then you can always fine tune it we have the whenever we take any action we will like you know log it inform like you know via our meter so the customer would know whether the the DDoS protection was kicked in for for mm, their traffic okay. or not, and then fine tune yeah. it. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, we talk about like you know we had um, a very uh, candid conversation with uh, all Azure customers um, when we talked about our September 7th L7 DDoS uh, life site as well even, and. Uh, some of these uh, the attackers like you know I, i'm not going to talk about all but like you know a few of the <laughs> tricks is uh, is um, even at the the application layer uh, the protocol allows you to have negotiated one tls or ssl session so you like you know from even to your application server side it's just one ssl connection that's terminating but protocol allows you to send multiple http sessions on that single tls within the tls so so technically you could still have one connection and then can flood thousands of http new sessions and new requests 
underneath uh, that we have seen that kind of attack we have seen different exploits like taking the longest path hogging the resources where you send a request to download like you know 100 gb of file but server is sending byte by byte keeping that connection yeah. on for and then yeah. exhausting all your resources so so it's uh, it's uh, they are evolving attackers uh, upping up their game and then we are upping up our game and this this is going to be journey it's uh, that's the way uh, it is um yeah um we are very um like you know we we had some hard learnings and then i'm really proud of some of the investments that we did we talked about like you know we we discussed this with by the way with some of the the industry experts as well like you know on the the, the are we on the right track or not given like an you know, azure front door is still kind of newer compared to the to the amazon cloud front and others hey kendall uh, you have your hands raised yeah yeah, so um, I don't want to take us too far down like this path, um, but just as someone <laughs> with a little bit, just with a little bit less familiarity, I know I wasn't on the last show, but um, I mean, I definitely think this makes sense, right? Getting that layer seven DDoS protection and, and being able to run at the edge. And I know that Azure Front Door is a globally distributed service that really focuses on that, uh, like, you know, front door protection, which the name is fitting. But I'm curious, like, I, I, I see some recommendations and even some customers, right, who make use to some extent of also App Gateway um, yeah. like at a regional level. And so I'm just kind of curious, like when you're adding these capabilities from a front end perspective to Azure front door, what is that like? What kind of scenarios do you see where App Gateway still comes into play? And how do we make sure that those two services are coordinated, especially when we talk about application layer? Well, what if the application layer is three layers away instead of just like, you know, sitting behind the Azure front door, just out of curiosity. And I'm frankly, I'm getting a lot of questions around this just with how do we architect solutions, you know, in front of container apps and uh, yeah, so it's a it's a selfish question as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, we talked okay. about this in the, the when we okay. were discussing the Azure front door. But to answer, uh, application gateway also provides the the pretty much similar uh, web application firewall capability. Application gateway is um, uh, is a regional application load balancer. It's uh, it's not about content caching, that cost reduction. It's not about the acceleration. It's it's very much about the the load balancing of your application backends and protecting your application backends with the web application firewall so um, to protect the customers you could uh, configure the same WAF policies on the application gateway if if your application scenario which is like in regional load balancer inside the vnet is requiring an application gateway application gateway also uh, being in the azure data center and in your vnet doesn't have the the l3 l4 volumetric attack challenge where traffic gets shifted away somewhere so uh, customers could simply like you know application gateway by the way it by default leverages the one ddos and then customer on their backend could also leverage the one ddos uh, for their network uh, volumetric network DDoS attack. So that's the subtle difference. Whereas on the edge, you have to be in line. You have to provide, uh, you know, some of those protections a uh, bit differently. But otherwise, it's uh, the functional device of our customers, whether they use application gateway or Azure front door, they are secure. The similar functionalities are there. When to use application gateway, when to use Azure front door, or when to have or integrated even, yeah, app. Like, or yeah. even like when they're used together, right? Together, so like to, that, right, that yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And then when you use together, then like, you know, then the Azure front door would be the first layer, and that would ensure that 
even application gateway, which is the, the back end for the Azure front door, does not even get uh, the volumetric attack to the to the application gateway. And then there you can define your protection policy somewhat more in detail to the application backend. So application gateway, for example, would have far more knowledge on your uh, Kubernetes pods, uh, the VMSs, individual VM instances, and then can have a, a, a policies pretty much uh, a, a, a sec, like, you know, a one step deeper than the Azure front door in those scenarios. So that's how one should see. I think, that, I mean, these days, those are the, the, the WAF, for AFD and WAF for front door, that's all one one happy team. These one days, happy, right? yeah, so, yeah. It's yeah. a one common user experience. Uh, so it's it's the feature release might be a bit like you know have a lag one way or versus the other, yeah. but yes, yeah. the experience is the common experience. So so taking this in a slightly different direction, um, you know, you had been on the show before and talked about work we were doing in in DNS and and the dual stack that we've got there to um, increase the resiliency. Talk about some of the security changes that we're doing at the at the DNS layer. You know, DNS security is a thing you have to worry about these days. Yeah. Um, so DNS again, like you know, uh, as your front door platform, we have to like you know be um, careful on the DNS security as well. DNS is also one of the most attacked uh, platform is because once you take down DNS, you are successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so um, um, from the get go, um, uh, more than the, the volumetric attack, uh, DNS application attack was a uh, uh, known phenomena I, I would say and that that's where we have again a very specific layer uh, for our dns we call it internal code name kevlar that protects against the the dns exploits uh, you could get it like you know tricking out on the nx domains scanning mm -hmm. up like you know and then um, creating a choking on a particular uh, point so that's what the dns does but um, um dns is also shifting into um, a bit different direction i'll touch ivan on this piece we are asking our customers to be like you know if they are deploying in azure in the virtual networks we want them to be private enabled it's a completely isolated from the internet so then you are not directly exploitable so once you have this in the the complete isolated workload deployed tns was the one that was left out open, uh, so to say. So mm -hmm. there is a private DNS resolver. Uh, uh, we recently went GA with the private DNS resolver. That's a part where uh, it works beautifully if you have a lockdown on-premise, which is a complete private address space, and then you have a virtual network with private link enabled, which is also a, a, a private address space. And then you need these two islands to work together. And DNS was a bit of a friction in, in those two islands because our private DNS authoritative would know the namespace of VNets, but then the on-premise would have, like, you know, when they want to bring up their own custom names would have challenges, vice versa. When these VNets needs to talk to the on-premise uh, namespace, they will not have the, like, you know, ability to do, they could go to the private DNS or they could go to the public authoritative service, but they could not have an ability to talk to the those private DNS resolver by the customer who might like not already having it deployed in their on-premise. So private DNS resolver is a multi-tenant pass platform. You don't have to manage or do anything, uh, basically a dedicated uh, for your VNets or for your deployment, but you can onboard to a 
private DNS resolver service. Uh, consider that as a conditional forward, the condition that you define, the security condition mm -hmm. that you define, and based on those security condition, it will ensure that the namespace that you are like you know targeting those are the only ones reached out on the private address space the rest is on the public address space or you can restrict to the public address space either so so it's not directly security but it like you know it uh, it it basically allows you to go a more secure manner uh, with the complete isolated workload deployment between on premises and uh, virtual networks let you put this ring around your your deployment right and say yeah. i don't really want traffic going in or out right, at this point right, unless right. i want it to yep and there this this um, there are lots of exploits happening with the dns which is like you know in your application workload doing um, the scan of the 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 nx domains and then like you know figuring it out what kind of domains you might have had it um, that the the risk with that is um, when you deploy your application like you know say I'm, I'm just picking a name like you know you might have an application bing.com and bing.com is say and that's the host name that you know users would connect to but underneath on that application stack you might have something xyz dot code or some things which is like your internal service or your partners are talking mm -hmm. to right and uh, and unfortunately those becomes still like you know some publicly accessible thing and uh, uh, api surface and you as a customer or application owner not always design those weak aspects to be as scalable as bing.com it, it just it's a nature of it like you put more focus on bing.com and that's left behind and then one could simply scan and figure it out these are the domains you like you know, or subdomains you are serving and supporting and then they can target your like not attack uh, to 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 your weak link so dns is coming in a and like you know like soon like you know the, the, almost all the dns providers are thinking in in that direction where they are slowly restricting these kind of scans like you know uh, the any deviation on your name resolution pattern by your workloads or by your users to see there is an exploit or someone knowingly trying to exploit you so that kind of um, information is very helpful because that's you would get it much much before when the actual attack happens because once they figure it out your weakling or exploit that's you're, when the actual at that point it, it, yeah. Your test. yeah so yeah, you know, Abhishek, I was wondering as an application developer, <clears throat> if there's any uh, things I need to worry about. You just talked about the, uh, you know, the, the DNS uh, scanning option, but going back to the original protection that you offer at the uh, at the edge, yeah. are there any things that an application could be doing now that could be blocked, let's say, right, by these new security rules, and the app it might not reach the application. It's something that the application didn't know that that pattern or path was being used. Right, but now all of a sudden it's going to stop working, right? Because you turned on AF that 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 feature in AFD, and suddenly like you know a handful of calls are not, just not coming through. Uh, I guess it's an app you know, I'm just, it's just I know it's app. always an app problem, right? <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out like you know how does one uh, detect those kind of situations? Uh, of course, can they happen? How do they detect them? And then uh, what's what's the kind of reporting so you could go and figure out? Hey, this is you know my app. Uh, didn't get these requests because of uh, such and such problem. 
Yeah, you are right, Sujit. It's it's not like you know, at, uh, as even application as an application developer, you there would be some very um, common sense, basic known things that you would know, and then like you know, you would be very confident when deploying those policies on Azure front door. There would be some other policies which you feel like you know are needed, but not very sure. As you said, it could block like genuine traffic or do something. Um, there are things like you know the when when you deploy these policies in Azure front door, you can always start with the detection mode versus in the prevention mode. So so you deploy in detection mode, you get like say hey you are hitting by the way, and then you can decide like you know once you put in the prevention mode, it's gonna block it right like you know. So those are the like you know somewhere like you know that's how like you know you could like you know it, it's like SDP of your <laughs> policies yeah, right. Absolutely. So you start on 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 those ladders, and then of course whether it's a prevention mode or detection mode um, we would be providing the metrics and then logs whenever our our layer is taking that decision and then again uh, we provide certain logs and it's a journey like you know we, we are like you know in, in the zinc milestone we would be adding more and more such metrics for you as an application developer to have a complete insight of like you know what's happening um, um, one example is like you know your backend health in the classic Azure front door is queue. Like you know if your backend health like you know it's completely down, then I'll say your backend is down. But now we provide metrics when we send in health probes. What's the typical success rate I see on your health probes? That's a metric, very useful metric because you might be having a period of stress on your application backends and then not responding, but majority time you are okay. That kind of insight is like you know it's much needed. So this is just an example of. Like like, you know, how we like, you know, intend to like, you know, have more and more uh, such insights. I, I think when I when I hear you talk about these features and capabilities, these are these seem to me to be sort of really great examples of things that when we implement them at the platform layer, one, you know, just a Jeet's point. I mean, there are certainly scenarios where you might block yourself unintentionally, but but as a general rule, you as the app developer shouldn't have to care too much about you know, DDoS, it's it's sort of below your layer generally, right. except when it's not, right. right? But but those are, you know, to, the, 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 the bad actors that are out there doing this are continually finding new scenarios. And if you were trying to own and manage this yourself, you drive right. yourself crazy chasing right. these. Yep. yep. Right? And, and so by doing this at the platform level, it, it really says, you know what, you know, in this case, Microsoft, right? Certainly other cloud providers as well. Microsoft, you know, just, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you to stay ahead of, or at least equal yep. to the the bad actors out there. And I'm just going to turn it on, and let you, and you know, I'm going to tell you my rate limiting, and let you protect me. Versus, and then I can spend my time on my yep. app or my functionality yep. instead of trying to just protect myself at a bare level. Yep, you know, you are right. And then this is, um, uh, and as a platform, not just on the policies, but my my goal is to understand your traffic pattern where I don't have to like literally ask you what's your peak is and then what's those thresholds should be. I should be the one like, you know, recommending, hey, based on like, you know, your pattern on 30 days, that seems to be like reasonable policy. And is that something like you can play with? So it's not like, you know, completely in dark or like, yeah. you know, a full exercise you would do, but you are right. Like, you know, doing uh, at protection, uh, doing protection at edge and then front door level. And then when Microsoft is thinking about these things, because Microsoft has a reputation to protect as well um, because it needs to protect the platform, right? So yep. uh, yeah, we would be on constant journey to be evolving our platform to to make sure both of us are protected. And Abhishek, just uh, in the interest of being 
you know, transparent here. What are the cost implications of turning this feature on uh, in AFT? It's not. So it's it's a bundle with if you are getting the WAF policies enabled, for example, if you are an AFD standard and premium SQ uh, getting protected right now on, on these specific things, it does not cost anything extra. It's just the same security bundle that you have opted in. Uh, uh, and we we are cognizant of the fact that like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, you want nobody, to make sure nope. it's reasonable. <laughs> nobody wants to pay for it until they're down and then they, they had paid for it. So, so make that call cost net you know an additional zero is, is, is it makes my life easier that's for Fire, sure uh, yeah um yeah well no this is great um it, you know uh Abhishek, any any last things that you want to leave the audience with on this i mean i think we covered a, a wide range of capabilities that that exist at layer seven and, and i think it's a great feature set for customers any last thoughts you want to leave the audience with Yes, I mean, like, you know, this, uh, the world is changing, like, you know, in the last two years, it, it, uh, what, like, you know, the security attacks and exploits used to be some of the infrequent rare things mm-hmm. are like super, super common. You don't hear it mm-hmm. from Microsoft and, and on your backends, but it's like constantly happening. So what, um, um, my thoughts are you as a customer or application developer or owner, you need to plan for the, the security and then security architecture of your application from the get go. And this is this is the like, you know, keep do not open the door or the surface area if you don't need to. So like, you know, Microsoft, like a recommendation on the private link, uh, making sure like, you know, the, the your Internet facing is protected by Azure front door or mm-hmm. if it's a regional sites application gateway, you are like, you know, getting into the one DDoS policies of the Azure and Microsoft. Those are the recommendation uh, we sh- I, I encourage everyone to to take a look because uh, it's it's not that you are in the the some side of segment that's not like you know the in the attention of those uh, attackers and hackers. It's uh, they are attacking everything and anything. It, it's a it's ironic. We we were actually talking amongst ourselves as hosts um, the other day. It looks like somebody did try and launch a volumetric attack against um, there's a storage account we use for some of our work exactly. which showed up in the telemetry <laughs> and what was awesome is everything seemed to just keep working right <laughs> so we didn't even have to, to worry about it right. um, from that side but yeah it's like you never know who who, who wants to attack the Azure podcast right everybody yes. loves us yeah. um, but but it just well, it uh, actually, yeah and uh, we talked about it in the previous uh, episode on the Ignite update uh, that Mark Rasinovich announced the Azure Innovations. There was a number that he had announced, 1.29 quintillion security events were detected yeah. in Azure last year. One, yeah. uh, that's a huge number, I know that. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. know that we like also were like wrapping up the topic, but I do have one more question now that I'm just thinking about <laughs> it, right? When I set up Azure Front Door as the entry point for my backend, can I make sure and force all of that ingress through Azure Front Door, right? Like I can make sure that the exclusive ingress pass pass through depends on Azure Front Door so that there's no sort of like, hey, some traffic goes through Azure Front Door, but you could route around it in a VNet, for example. Like, is that true? That is true. If you want to, what like, you know, so um, the, the, if you put like onboard your domain uh, and then if like, you know, whoever trying to access through the domain, it's always, always go like, you know, through the front door. But the mistake that one could make, like, you know, you could still have a public 
IPs on your application server, um, which is accessible over internet. And then even though application traffic is direct, someone could directly attack your IP. So front door won't be able to protect it. And that's where uh, the recommendation, like you want to lock down your application. If it has to be internet, then lock down with the, the, the service tag of front door. So only front door IPs are able to talk to your application backends or lock down that application backend to be private link. And then Azure front door has this feature of integrating with your private endpoints. So it's not even available or accessible from the internet. Okay, cool. Thanks for the conversation. Awesome. awesome. Well, great. Well, Abhishek, thank you again for coming on. As always, um, great to have you. Um, we'll look forward to having you on again in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.